Welcome, everybody. We are launching a brand new series today that I am very, very, very extremely excited about. We're looking at a letter from the Apostle Paul to a group called the Ephesians. And the tagline for this series is, when you know who you are, you know what to do. When you know who you are, you know what to do. How many of you have ever met someone who seemed to have adopted an identity that did not seem completely authentic to them? Have you ever met somebody where you go, yeah, I don't, I think you're trying to be somebody else. I think you're trying to act like somebody. Have you ever seen anybody do this? Have you ever done this? Anybody? No. Everyone's acting like they've never done this. But um, um, I, I, uh, I told this story a long time ago, but I, I remember uh, I, was, <laughs> I was at a party years ago in Los Angeles, and I was with a friend of mine. His name's Steven Hauser. Steven's from St. Louis. And Steven was wearing a St. Louis baseball hat. Okay, we were in L.A., but we're both from St. Louis. And, and Steven's wearing the St. Louis Cardinals baseball hat. And suddenly from across the, the party, we hear a voice call out to Steven, or, or just in our direction. And the voice says, yo, dog, you from the Lou, dog? Okay, it's a greeting. It's a greeting. Um, we look over, and from the Lou, you know, from St. Louis, from St. Louis. So just interpret, interpreting. Okay, so, um, you from the Lou, dog? And so um, we look over, and, and there's this young man. He's in his early 20s, Caucasian, hat tilted sideways, gold chains, grill. I mean, pants sagging, like crip walking over. Like he, he, he looked like he stepped out of a, a, out of a little Wayne video. I mean, that's, he was just like... He just had the image down. Are you tracking with me? Like, like the white easy E. Get that picture in your mind. That's, that's this guy. And he comes walking over to Stephen and he's like, yo, dog, you from the Lou? You know, and Stephen's like, well, Stephen's like a really straight-laced guy. Stephen's like, well, actually, yes, I am from St. Louis. And, uh, you know, I'm, I am from the Lou, if you will. And uh, so the guy says, oh, man, that's amazing, man, because I'm from the Lou, dog. I'm from the Lou. And... So Stephen is <laughs> looking at the guy, and we're both kind of looking like, oh, I don't know. And Stephen then, you know, tries to give him the benefit of the doubt. So Stephen's like, so, so, so what part of St. Louis are you from? You know, trying to get a bead on this guy. And the guy's like, yo, I'm from St. Charles, dog. For real. Yo. Now, I love St. Charles, and, and I, I, I lived in St. Charles for a while. But that's not, I don't see that as a hotbed for new up-and-coming hip-hop artists around the globe. But, but this dude, this guy had adopted an identity that, to me, didn't feel like it was him, okay? He's probably a tax attorney out in Wentzville right now, just, yeah. Um, but, but, but the guy, he had adopted an identity that, that wasn't him, right? But, and we laugh, but we've all done it. We've all done it at some point in our life. We've, we've done things in our life, or we've looked back at moments in our life, or we look back at things in our past, and we go, you know what, that wasn't me. Like, that wasn't really who I am. What I was doing or what I was saying or what I was thinking or what I was going through, that wasn't really, that doesn't represent who I really am. That's not the real me, right? I was doing something. I was putting on a front. I was putting on a pose. I was somehow living out of a different identity that's not my real identity. And what we're looking at today is this idea from the Apostle Paul. And the concept that I want to just push in a little bit today is that the better you know who you are, the better you know what to do right? When you really begin to understand who God says you are, not just who you've, the identity that you've cobbled together, but who does God say you are? Because the better you understand your real identity 
in Christ, then you know what to do. I love that line from that song. It said, your thoughts define me, right? So my actions don't define me. God's thoughts define who I am. So if you look in your bulletin, you're going to find a piece of paper like this. You can pull this out. This is a letter. It's the first half of a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to you and me, and he wrote it from jail. He was really, he was really, he really, really, really wanted us to read this, okay? So this is the first half of the letter, and it's only one page, double-sided. Print's a little bit small, but that's why it's one page, double-sided. And um, this is the first half of the letter, and then in a few weeks, I'm going to give you the second half of the letter, okay? And I just would encourage you to read this today, this afternoon, because what Paul does, he, he, he writes this letter, and it's in two halves. In the first half of the letter, he says, this is who you are. I want you to know who you are. And he, all he uses in the first half of this letter is identifying language. I want you to know who you are. I'm going to tell you who, who you are. Listen, here's who God says you are. Here's how he defines you. Here's what you. And then the second half of the letter, he says, this is what you do. And I, what I love about it, it's like every good coach, if you've ever been on a, any kind of sports team, you know that every good coach tries to instill a sense of identity in his or her players before telling them how to execute on the game plan. So a good coach in the huddle, in the locker room, will go, listen, you guys, you guys, you're champions. You got the heart of a lion. You're not quitters. You're fighters. You're never going to give up. And and they're pouring out identity language into the players. And then they go, okay, so here's the play we're going to run, right? They should have let me into the Cleveland locker room. We could have turned things around last week. But no, no, it's not. No, no Cleveland, no Cleveland, sorry. Let me, I'll retract that. Okay, thank you, Edna. Um, but every good coach says, look, first you gotta know who you are. And then when you really get a sense of your true identity, who you really are, that's when you can do the things that you're called and supposed to do because you're doing it out of, a, out of an, an authentic sense of who you really are, right? So the Apostle Paul writes this letter and I'm gonna just take a moment and read like a huge opening part of this letter, but I need you to help me read it, okay? So this is going to be an active, participatory reading today. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to stop at the identifying language, and I'm, going to, and I'm going to have you help me, and we're going to do a call and response. Does that sound all right? Well, if it's going to be all right, it's got to be louder than that. It's going to be a call and response. Is that all right? All right. All right. Good. All right. Okay. All right. Here we go. It says, praise to uh, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Everybody, everybody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. In the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us. Say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. In him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. Say, I'm holy and blameless. I'm holy and blameless. Now, don't look at the person next to you and think, wait a minute, did you just say that out loud? I am holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he, pre- he predestined us for adoption. Say, I'm adopted to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption. Say, I'm redeemed. redeemed. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Say, I'm forgiven. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity, say I'm unified, unified. to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, say I'm chosen, chosen. having been predestined according to his plan, 
of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included, say I'm included, in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, when you believed you were marked, say I'm marked, in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, say I'm an heir, until the redemption, be strong, finish strong now, until the redemption of those who are God's possession, say I'm God's possession, I'm God's possession. to the praise of his glory. That is an identifying paragraph. In the, in the Greek, it's all one sentence. Say I'm a run-on sentence writer. I'm a, yeah. it's a, but but what, Paul, what Paul's trying to do here, and it's like almost overkill, right? It's almost like too much because what he's doing is I, he's saying I really, really, really want you to know who you are. You're holy, you're righteous, you're chosen, you're adopted, you're mine, you're righteous, you're, you're God's possession, you're marked. He's trying to overstate the reality of who you are according to God in Christ because he knows that the better you know who you are, the better you know what to do, right? He's saying, look, I, I want you to get this. I want this to seep inside of you. I want this to stick to your ribs. I want this to just, just, to, just, to, just to percolate and marinate inside of you because I want you to know who you really are. And the, the thing is, he's, the original letter went to this group, this, this, these people that lived in Ephesus, the Ephesians, right? And Ephesus is like in modern-day Turkey. It's on the Mediterranean. It's a port city. There are people coming in from all over the world, different philosophies and religions and ideas and thoughts and Everything coming in. And so Paul's saying, look, you're getting a lot of input from a lot of different angles. You're getting a lot of stuff coming at you. So I really want to bring it home. This is who you really are. I mean, the Ephesians are exactly like us, right? We get input from everywhere. We've got access to anyone in the world, anytime, anywhere. We've got access to information from all over the place. And sometimes that can muddle our sense of true identity. We can forget who we really are, who God says we really are, right? So we pull our, we pull our identity from all different kinds of sources, from all different factors, right? You've got, you've got your inherited traits. This is like what you were born with, right? This is my race, my ethnicity, my, my, my gender. My, this, is, this is the stuff that I just, I'm born with, right? And, and we, we, we identify with those things. We identify with those traits, right? We've got social roles, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a son. I'm a dad. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a student. I'm a doctor. I'm a you know, teacher. I'm a mom. I'm a, I'm a clerk. I'm a right? These are roles in our life. And we, we, we live in those roles and we can use a lot of times, especially guys will really, really identify with their role. So a lot of times when guys retire, it's an identity crisis because they don't know exactly where, you know, who they are. And it takes time to, to reformulate that, right? So our, our social, our social roles. Then a lot of times our accomplishments or failures. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but like, it's really easy to turn a a failure, an event into an identity, right? You go, I oh, mean, I, I messed, I blew it on this. So that must therefore mean this is who I am, right? We, we do it all the time. We, we migrate an event into an identity and you can do it the other way too. You can, you can, you know, you succeed at something and then suddenly, you know, you're believing the hype and you think, wow, I'm just, I must be amazing, right? Right? Because we take an event and we turn it into an identity. Social affiliations, Right? 
the people that we choose to associate with, right? Our schools, our fraternity, our, you know, our neighborhood, right? Are you from the Lou dog? You know what I mean? Like we're like, we're, we're our affiliations, the things that we choose to associate with. And then our personal feelings, right? We have, we have identity influences from everywhere. Personal feelings, like I heard a song the other day and the lyric of the song just really popped to me because it said, you are what you feel. And I thought, that is completely wrong. That's 100% wrong. If you are what you feel, what if I feel horrible? What if I, you know, what if I feel, you know, whatever. No, it, it, we're cobbling together these sense of identity from all of these different places. And Paul's saying, look, clear the decks for a moment. Because I need to explain to you, if you're a follower of Jesus, your identity is defined by God. It's imputed to you from him, not from what you've gathered and gleaned from around your own experiences. It's from God in you. And he makes this radical statement at the beginning about identity because basically he says that it didn't begin when you were conceived. It didn't begin when you were born. It did not begin when you became a teenager. It didn't begin when you became an adult. Your identity began before the foundation of the world. Billions and billions of years ago, before the foundation of the world, Paul says, look at this, he says, God chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Before the foundation of the world, God had his eye on you. He was thinking about you. He was thinking about who you are. You are loved by him. That's who you are. That's who you are, right? That's why we sing that. You're per, you know, he's perfect in all of his ways, and then he imputes that righteousness to you and to me. The problem is we, we look at that and we go, well, I don't feel holy and blameless, right? How many of you guys just voluntarily would say, I always feel holy and blameless at all times? Anybody? Good. Okay, good, because we were going to have a conversation. But, um, but he says, no, that's who you are, right? So it's not, it's, not, it's not based, the reason you don't always feel holy and blameless is sometimes you do things that are unholy and blameworthy, right? That's why you don't always feel holy and blameless. If you never did anything like that, then you would always feel holy and blameless, right? But he's saying, no, your identity precedes your activity, right? He's saying, I, I, I am, God is imputing his identity to you before you've done anything, before you've said anything, before you've thought anything. I'm giving you your identity. The circumstances around you and the things that you're doing and the way that you're interacting with the world might, might confuse you at times. It might take you off track in terms of who you really are, right? But it's your identity that precedes your activity, not the other way around. Your activity doesn't define your identity. Are you tracking with me? He says, I'm, 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 I've given you this identity. And then you're going to live it out, okay? There was a, um, in the Ukraine in the early 90s, uh, some social workers got received a phone call. It was at this little tiny rural village. These social workers got this phone call, and they said there's a young girl um, in, the, in, the, you know, in, the, in the fields, and she's acting very strangely. And so these social workers came out, and they found this, this little girl. And she was seven and a half years old. Her name is um, Oksana. And she had been basically abandoned and neglected uh, by her parents, by her mom and her stepdad, ever since she was about four years old. And she went and basically wandered out into the kennel where there, there was a pack, basically a pack of dogs living out in this rural area. And she, she lived with them. 
and she ate with them, and she slept in the kennel, and she, over, over the years, she became a member of the pack. She, she started, she would run on all fours, she would bark, she would, she totally stopped being, no, no speech, no human interaction. She basically saw herself as a, as a dog, right? And so these social workers came out, she'd been there, she'd been doing this for like four years, four and a half years. Social workers came out, they found this little girl, and she has no ability to interact with him as a human being. So they take her, and of course, it takes years of treatment and, and, and re-education to let her know that just because you, you know, slept with the dogs and ate with the dogs and ran with the dogs, you're not a dog, baby. You're a human being, right? Sometimes what happens to us as Christians is we get in these cycles or we go down these paths and we start living in certain ways that, 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 that aren't aligned with who God says we are, but then we start to identify with them. And God says, no, baby, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Come here, I've defined who you are. You're over here. Your, your actions are not in conformity with the reality of who you are. I want you to know who you really, really are. Christians get it backwards all the time. We flip, we, we flip it around. We flip the script and we think, I, if, I can, I, if I can do the thing, then I can be the person, right? If I can do the thing right, then I can be the righteous person. We're like, and, and the problem is we can't, we can't, Right? Because when we try and we fail, then we either say, all right, well, forget it, right? I give up. I mean, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm chucking in the towel, right? Or we say, I can't do it, but I need people to think that I can. And so we start to live this double life. We start to have this deceitful, hypocritical, compartmentalized life where we go, this is the, this is the, this is the image that I'm going to send out even though this is the identity, this is the way I feel, right? So we end up doing image management instead of, instead of uh, uh, identity development, all right? So we start going, all right, I got I to put, put on the right, the right vibe. I got to put on the right airs. I got to let people think that I'm this because this is what I'm supposed to be. And this is why I think a lot of millennials leave the church because they, I mean, it's not, it's not that hard to see. You can see somebody and go, wait a minute, what you're saying and the image that you're portraying does not comport with what I see seeing you do and see the way you think and the way you act about people and the way you, you look at other people and, it's, and there's, a, there's a disparity there, right? And so they go, okay, I'm out, right? But that's the, that's the problem is that we're trying, to, we're trying to live it first in order to look like we're being it and Jesus is saying, no, you are it. You are it. You are redeemed. You are righteous. You are holy, right? Anybody, anybody know what a Finstagram is? Anybody, a Finstagram? My wife knows what a Finstagram is. is. That the only, and that's because I preached this to you last night, right? So no, um, nobody knows what. Okay, a Finstagram is a fake Instagram. Okay, that's that's what it is. Actually, if you know what it is, you're not volunteering to tell us that you know what it is, right? Um, it, it's basically it's a person that has like a social media account. They have a real Instagram account. And that's where they have their real name. And that's where they put all the pictures of like how good life is and how things are great and how everything's awesome and there are no problems and everything's clean and shiny and squeaky clean, right? And then they have a fake Instagram account, which is a Finstagram, where they give themselves a nickname. And, you know, and that's where they put the pictures that they don't want mom and dad and the boss and other people seeing, right? Because they feel like they need to compartmentalize their life. We're like, this is the outside image and this is the real thing, right? Jesus is saying no. That's not the way it works. I've given you an identity and I, I, am, I am the source of your identity. And then your goal is to try to live it out and try to walk it out in accordance with your identity, right? 
But the problem is we, we, can't, we can't do it. And so we go, well, how can I possibly do this, right? How can I, how can I achieve this, this status of like holy and blameless, right? But look what Paul says. He says this. Here's what he says. Here he goes. He says, in him, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In him, we have it, right? So it's not coming from your moral superiority. It's actually coming from his sacrifice. Your identity, your status comes from his sacrifice. It's in him that you are holy and blameless and righteous because your status comes from his sacrifice. It's not that you're going to live it out and, and become something. I, if I just keep working, I'll please God, I'll please him. If I just keep working, no. Before the foundation of the world, he chose you to be adopted and loved and righteous and holy. Now live that out. <laughs> now walk that out, right? There was a, um, in uh, 2006, um, there was a young man. His name is Ross McGinnis. Uh, when Ross was a little kid, he grew up outside of Pittsburgh. He had two sisters, mom, dad, played soccer, played basketball, super fun guy, normal kid. Uh, when he was a little kid in kindergarten, his, his, his kindergarten teacher gave him a document, and it, you know, it was one of those things that says, when I grow up, I want to be, and then blank, right? He wrote army man. Like from the time he was a little kid, he wanted, he wanted to be an army man. That was his goal. On his 17th birthday, he went and signed up uh, for the United States Army. Um, and, and that's just, that was, ever since he was a kid, that's, that's what he wanted to do. That's how he saw himself. That's where he wanted to go. Joined the army, 17 years old. About a year and a half later, 18 years old, he's in the Iraq war, 2006. He's in a Humvee. He's a, he's a gunner. He, he's manning a, a 50 caliber machine gun in this Humvee. And there are four other guys in the, in the Humvee with him. And they're kind of patrolling the streets of Baghdad. Okay. And suddenly Ross sees a grenade come flying in and falls into the, the Humvee. And he's in the hatch, right? So he's in this little area where he's got to make a split-second decision. He's 18 years old. He's a kid. And he could have very easily, from his position, jumped out of the hatch. The grenade detonate, could detonate, and he would be totally safe. It would have detonated inside of the Humvee, right? I mean, he may have gotten some injuries, but he had, he had an opportunity to, to, to bail. But in a split-second, this kid jumps down in, in, from the hatch into the, onto the floor of the Humvee and pins the grenade between his body and the floor of the, of the Humvee. And the grenade detonates. His body absorbs the explosion. The other four guys, minor injuries, scratches, n- n- not, n- no major injuries. And he sacrifices his life on their behalf. 18-year-old kid, right? Every moment that those four guys have from that moment on, is a gift from him. Every laugh they experience, every song in their heart, every moment of love, every moment of peace, every moment of joy, their status is now completely tied to his sacrifice. Their status in the world, everything they are, everything they do, is tied to the sacrifice that was made on their behalf. They didn't deserve it. They didn't merit it. He had every right to jump out. He sacrificed for them. Paul is saying, look, your status is not defined by you. Your status as holy and righteous is not defined by your actions. It's defined by the sacrifice that was made on your behalf. 
It was defined long ago. Your status as a loved, beloved child of God is based upon the the sacrifice that he made for you. So if you're living in guilt and you're living in shame and you're living in condemnation and you've got a false sense of who you are, Jesus is saying, no, it's my sacrifice that defines your status. It's what I did that defines who you are. This is basic gospel tent revival preaching right now, people. This is like, this is square one. But we forget. We get lost. We forget who we are. We forget our identity. We get off track and we forget that, no, it was before the foundation of the world that you were chosen and you were loved and you were holy and you were righteous because he did it on your behalf. So your question, my question is, how do I experience that? How do I experience that sense of holiness and righteousness and peace and all of that stuff, right? And, and, and he tells us in the, in the scripture, he says, you achieve it when you believe it. That's what the apostle Paul says. He says, you achieve it, not, not when you do it, not when you knock it out of the park, not when you become amazing, not when you become so morally superior to everyone else that you just can float above the, cl- the clouds and levitate. You achieve this, 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 this holiness and righteousness by putting your trust and your faith and your hope in the one who did it for you. That's when you experience the love and the mercy and the grace of God. When you affirm it, when you accept it, when you embrace it, when you say, okay, I'm in. I'm going to say yes to you. Look, look how he says it here. I'm going to close with this. He says, when you believed, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. You were marked when you believed. When you said, okay, yes. Yes, I accept, I believe, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my trust in you. In him, you were righteous. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit. Follow this, man. We could preach this sentence for a year, for three years. I mean, we, like every word, every word of this scripture we could preach the sermon on. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Ben, why don't you come up and help me close this out. Here's what he's saying. Listen to this. When you believed, you were marked with the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing that on the day God pulls his possessions together, that you will be counted among them, okay? When, when, I, when my wife and I got engaged, I gave her an engagement ring, okay? And that engagement ring was, was a mark, for all the other guys that might be coming around, right? That she was with me. She's with me. That ring was a deposit to be fulfilled on the day that we come together and say, I I belong to you and you belong to me. And I'm yours and you're mine. Jesus said, when you say yes, when you believe, he's marking you with with the Holy Spirit. He's sealing it so that on the day he brings you home, you know that you're his possession. You belong to him. You're his. Your status is is from his sacrifice. So what would it look like if you stopped trying to achieve your holiness and your righteousness and your superbness on your own, but rather said, God, I believe. I believe in the sacrifice that you made for me on my behalf. 
and I'm opening my heart to receive that. Some of you are Christians, you've been Christians for a long time, and so you're going, dude, this is like primary school. Like this is not, like that was, this was a good sermon for me when I was 17. Well, that's not right. Because you forget, you forget. Every single one of you forgets. And so sometimes you need to say yes again. Sometimes you need to go, okay, okay, that's right. That's right. I'm holy and I'm righteous and I'm blameless, not because of what I've done, either good or bad, but because of what he's done on my behalf. What if Jesus was at the center of your identity? What if Jesus was at the very core of who you are? Of who you are? What if at the very, very core of who you are, you weren't looking at your inherited traits, your social roles, your social activities, your wins, your failures, but you were looking at the face of Christ and going, okay, that's right. That's who I am. That's who I am. I'm his. I'm his. I've always belonged to him. What if, what if it wasn't just one of us that did that? What if everybody did that? What if a group of people said, wait a second, okay, we're redefining ourselves. Our primary identity is not our political identity or our racial identity or our ethnic identity or our gender identity or whatever, sexual identity. Our primary identity is in Christ, right? He's our primary identity. I identify first with him, he defines me, and then out of that, everything else grows, right? What happens in that situation is that we sacrifice for one another. We serve one another. We love one another. We take care of each other. We look out for people who are not like us. We reach out to the world around us and we love them because Jesus is at the center. He's our identity. He's the one that we rely upon. He's the one that we put our trust in. I want you to stand with me just for a moment. Don't come forward to worship yet. I just, I want to close this sermon with a song. And I want to invite you to invite Jesus to be the center of your life again. If you've already done it, you can do it again. Remind yourself, this is who I am. I'm I'm, I'm yours. I'm loved by you. I'm chosen by you. I'm righteous and holy because you're righteous and holy. The Bible says that on our behalf, God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we could have his righteousness a trade we get to experience his righteousness he gets to experience our sin so sing it out jesus you're the center of my life sing it with us